And like I said, you know, we're going to be learning here tonight, starting learning about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our guide here on earth. Amen. We have him living inside. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's inside of you. And um, open your heart to God's word tonight. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you, Matt. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad you're here tonight. This message, though, is a message that as many people as possible need to hear. So I'm praying that um, we'll be doing this for the next few weeks. I'm praying that you'll, you'll make the effort and be intentional about reaching out to somebody. Because let me just explain something to you. When you have a, a working, active, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, 90% of your issues are going to go away. Because he's going to show you ahead of time. Jesus said he'll show you things to come. He's going to show you ahead of time uh, problems that you might face so that you could be praying in advance. Uh, he's going to give you answers to situations that you may be facing right now. Uh, you'll get direction. You'll get wisdom. But um, sad to say that the majority of Christians, um, they love Jesus, right? Um, and that's wonderful, and we need to. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not minimizing the role that Jesus plays, but Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is not on the earth right now. Jesus is in heaven. Who's on the earth? So if we don't have a relationship with him, how the heck are we going to know what's going on that Jesus, because he's, he's the head of the church. How many of you know that? But the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the church. So if you work on a job um, and the boss is off-site and he assigned an administrator for you to cooperate with, and you don't have any relationship with that administrator, how are you going to do your job? You're going to walk around like bumper cars, bumping into this, bumping into... Every once in a while, you might bump into something successful. But for the most part, all you're going to do is get bruises. Amen. I'm, 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 listen to me. I don't know how to emphasize this enough. We are living in the last days. And in the last days, you better have your ears attuned to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Because the devil wants to kill you. He's out to rob, kill, and destroy. Now, thank God for the mercy of God that he didn't leave us here as orphans. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you on your own. And so he gave us a custodian. But most people don't pay attention to him. Are you listening to me? You have family members. You have friends. You have coworkers. You have neighbors that they need to know God. They need to know Jesus. They need to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And it's great that we're coming together on Wednesday night, but we need to, we need to reach out to others and say, listen, you got to get there. you got to get there. Are you listening to me? Please. I, I wish I had the mechanism to be able to contact as many people as each one of you do. You know, statistics tell us that every person has at least a sphere of influence of anywhere from 20 to 25 people. Even if you cut that in half and just reach out to 10 of the people that you're already in relationship and say to them, listen, uh, you know, I know you're going through some things. You, you need to get to church. You need to get to some place where the Holy Spirit is active, where the word of God is being preached. The word of God is being preached. You understand what I'm saying? It's our responsibility. It's your responsibility. My responsibility is to teach the word. My responsibility is to equip the sheep for the work of the ministry. You're the one that's got to do the work of the ministry. That always goes over really, really big. Let me tell you something, okay? I had more effect on unsaved people when I was in business than I have here. Here, my job is to equip you. If I get in touch with any unsaved people, of course, you know, in, in your own personal life you do, but I'm counting on you to bring people here so that they can get ministered to. Before, when I was in my own business, when I had my restaurants, when I had my, my food stores and stuff like that, okay, I was, a week didn't go by without me ministering to somebody, laying hands on them, seeing them get healed, casting devils out, okay, getting people born again. This is, well, you're the pastor. No, I wasn't the pastor then. I was just a business person. But you see, you have more contact with the outside world. I'm going to keep preaching. You jump in whatever you want. Okay? I'm telling you, I don't know how to emphasize this enough. 
We are in the last days of the age of the Holy Ghost. Okay? We are the acts of the apostles. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit working through the church. You got to get to know him. You got, well, I pray to Jesus. That's wonderful. But Jesus told you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14. Jesus' words, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that he, the helper, may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. All right? I'm just going to go review real quickly here. How did Jesus fulfill this? How did Jesus fulfill the promise that exists all the way through the Bible? I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Because he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he's seated in heavenly places. He's seated at the right hand of God. So, so, so in a real way, how did he fulfill that? By his spirit coming to dwell in each and every believer. Each and every believer, okay? And we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about not only the spirit of God dwelling in us, but we're also going to be talking about, maybe not so much tonight, but we're going to be talking about in the future, the spirit upon as well as the spirit within. Every born-again believer has the spirit within. But there's a secondary experience that's available to us, the baptism. That's the spirit of God upon us, working from us to affect the world around us. Now, people, people, people think sometimes, you know, when it's because of religious training, well, I'm born again, I got the Holy Spirit. And some people teach, well, it's the only Holy Spirit you're going to get. No, that's not true. And I keep saying, maybe if you listen to it this way, you can put it in the right categories and understand the importance. The born-again experience prepares us for heaven. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit prepares us for earth. Somebody, somebody said once, uh, you know, uh, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. You need the Holy Spirit every day of your life. So he promised us this helper, okay? And this is something that, that you know, when he was saying that, he was saying another one of the same species like me, but different. He's our advocate. He's our attorney. He's the one who comes alongside of us and takes hold together against. But you understand the main function of the Holy Spirit is a teacher Jesus introduced him that way. He is the spirit of truth. He, he, he leads us and guides us to all truth. Um, but as it pertains to the daily life of a believer, um, you're, how many people here face challenges? Just a few. How many people you, you feel like every day you're facing Goliath? Okay. And, and you're probably feeling frustrated because you're doing it in your own strength. But the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit, if we will allow him to, and if we'll develop that relationship with him, he will literally, literally, tells us this literally exactly in Greek, that he is the one who comes alongside of us to take, watch this, to take, to take hold with us to get, come up here real quick, come on. You knew I was going to do this, didn't you? Okay, so we're going to, you're the Holy Ghost. Okay. Because you're bigger than me and more powerful, Okay. So, so I have a challenge that's coming. There's a giant coming into my life. There's a wall that's, that's obstructing me from my, for the plan of God fulfilling me. So you're going to come alongside. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it for me because right. you're my helper. Mm-hmm. You're not my replacement, okay? So we're going to, when that challenge comes, we're going to take hold together against, okay? You see what I'm talking about? Yes. Stand back there. Most Christians are fighting in their own power, in their own power, and getting frustrated. God, why aren't you, where are you, God? And why did, how did you forget about me, God? And why aren't you, no, no, he, he's there. It's just, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anyone. You and I develop, you can go sit down, thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. But do you see that illustration? It's extremely important that you see that. Because if you don't ask him, the Holy Spirit is like, I'm here for you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to grab you by the throat and make you do things. But I'm here for you. 
and I will take hold together with you against. You, you getting this? I'm about three weeks ahead in my notes just now. So, so Jesus promised us his helper. I want to just read these scriptures because I see there's a lot of people here tonight that were not here last week. All right, but this, this spirit within us was promised to us centuries even before Jesus was here on earth. Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart. That's a born-again experience. And put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. In other words, in original language, a heart that's pliable, soft, manageable, malleable, shapeable, okay? I will take out that stone, the, stone out of your, the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, here it is. I will put my spirit where? Within. Within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll be careful, observe my ordinances. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on the tree. And that tree is talking about the cross. Okay, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promises of the Spirit. I was listening to somebody this afternoon, just relaxing, trying to prepare for tonight. And I heard this person say, you know, when the word Gentile was used in the Old Testament, it talked about anyone who did not believe in God. But when Gentiles is used in the New Testament, it refers to anyone who did not believe in Jesus. You, you listening to me? Okay. So, so that promise that God made to Abraham was much more than wealth or land and influence and power. It was the promise that the Spirit of God would once again come and live in human beings, in man and woman. Now, listen to me closely. And again, if this is a repetition from last week, for those of you that were here, just make believe you're hearing it for the first time. All right. So before the resurrection, I want you to consider this closely. Before the resurrection, the Spirit of God can only come upon God's people. He would come upon a king. He would come upon the prophet. He would come upon the priest. But that was temporary. He didn't stay, okay, because the person was not yet born again. Their spirit was not yet alive unto God, okay? But, or he could come in the midst of God's people. The, the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of God could come upon a group of people. But now he fills and indwells every born-again child of God. Every one of us that's called upon the name of the Lord, every one of us that has experienced being a born again, you've asked Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior. You have the Holy Spirit within you already. Because I know I've heard some people say, you know, I'm really seeking for the Holy Ghost. Are you born again? Yeah. Well, you got the Holy Ghost. What they're really saying is I'm seeking for the other experience that's See, anybody could be born again, but not anybody could get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Um, anybody could get born again, but a person to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit have to already be born again. Okay? So whosoever believes on the Lord shall be saved, but you have to be saved to believe God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the qualification. So, um, yeah, let me move on here. So, the first Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Where, where's the Spirit of God? In you. In us. If you're a believer, he's in there. Now, do you understand the magnitude of what that means? Because people in the Old Testament... Even people that walked on the earth during the gospel period would give anything to be in the position that you're in right now. They can only hear about it. They can only dream about it. They can only imagine what it would be like. But you and I are living in the reality, and I hope that you're focusing and not being distracted. The reality is this, that the creator, the power of God, the creator of the universe, his spirit lives inside you. Are you listening? Yes. Now, what ends up happening most times, and some of you are doing this right now as you're sitting here, you're saying, yeah, but I don't live like God's living in me. 
I don't feel like his spirit's living in me. It's because you're judging what God says by your experience. Just like you've heard people say, well, I don't believe in that healing stuff because after all, my grandmother, you know, we prayed for her to get healed and she died. Well, put aside the fact that she was 105 years old. You don't know what she believed and you don't know what kind of relationship she had. Well, she went to church every day. Okay, that's wonderful. So basically what you're doing is when you, when you entertain those dangerous thoughts is you're saying that your experience is negating the word of God. For instance, we knew a person when we were going to Bible school, the manager of the store that we worked at while we were going to school. She was born and raised in a Pentecostal church. Now, by the time we got on the scene, she had to be in her 40s, right? Maybe close to 50. She still was waiting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Born again, born again, thoroughly born again, but born and raised in a Pentecostal church where they taught you have to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, and someday maybe you're going to get it. But that's not what the book of Acts tells us. The book of Acts, the pattern in the book of Acts is this. You get born again, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get baptized in water, or you get born again, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I first got saved, I didn't know there was people that didn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the church I got saved in because that was the pattern. That's what I saw. I saw in my life. I got born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, got born again in April, got baptized in the Holy Ghost in August, okay? And then a year later or so, got baptized in water. That's the way it's supposed to be. In other words, I believe that if you put somebody stranded that doesn't know anything about God, anything about the Bible, and you put them on a desert island, and it's just them with the Bible, if they follow scriptures, guess what? They're going to get born again, they're going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they're going to baptize themselves in the ocean. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's the natural pattern. The greatest, most destructive thing that the enemy has done to the church and Christianity for the past 17, 1800 years is to minimize the influence of the Holy Spirit in the church. Not supposed to be that way. All over the world, people are getting born again, and the majority of those people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not like it was in the old days. All the major, 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 major mega churches all over the world are charismatic Pentecostal churches. Got born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in water. You listening to me? Now, the world right now is on a mission to normalize a lot of things that shouldn't be normalized. I'm on a mission to normalize the Holy Ghost. And he's not spooky. He's not reserved for a few, you know, people that are up there with God. No, no, no. He's practical. He's practical. Okay? So, John chapter 20. When does John chapter 20, can anybody tell me when John chapter 20 takes place? Did you get me a tissue or something there? Or show me? Thank you. On what day of the week? Well, never mind. It's right there. Then the same day at evening, what day? What? Then the same day of the, at evening, the first day of the week, okay, but what day is this? What took place that morning? Okay. Let's make believe I didn't ask you anything. I'm going to start giving homework. What day was it? Uh, which Sunday? Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. Then the same day, let's do it this way. Then on, on that first resurrection day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, that doesn't, that's not an anti-Semitic statement. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders back then. Why? Well, they just saw Jesus crucified, okay? They figured they got him. They're going to come after us now. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Shalom 
Alechem. Okay? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he did what? Breathed, <sighs> Breathed on them and said what? Okay, so if they received the Holy Spirit, then what really took place there when, they, when it says they were glad when they saw the Lord? They got born again. They put their faith now in Jesus Christ. And because they did, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because what happens? When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Okay? In you. You got it? All right. If you forgive any the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Is that it? Is that all of it? Okay. So what happens? They got born again. Who came to live inside them when they got Jesus didn't crack Peter's chest open and climb inside. It was who? Holy the Holy Spirit. Are you born again? Yes. If you are born again and you generally have had that experience, who is living inside you already? the Holy Spirit. So would you say hi to him once in a while? Would you include him in some things once in a while? Would you, would you talk to him like he's an actual person? And like I said last week, if your Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as an it, throw it away and get yourself a Bible that knows what it's talking about. He is a person. He's not electricity. He's not a dove. He's not fire. He can be symbolized by those things, but that's not who he is. He's a person. He has feelings. Paul said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't grieve a chair. You can't grieve electricity, but you can grieve an individual who has feelings and emotions. You catching this? All right. Let's see where we want to go. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7. Where did we see, again, I'm going to repeat this quickly because I want to move on. Where did the last time that we see anybody breathing on a person for them to receive the Spirit. Genesis chapter 2. Okay, you got this? Verse 7. And the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, if you look in the original language, if you go and look in the original language, it seems like it indicates that Although the body was there, if we were there, we would have seen a man's body, okay? Um, and he may even have had his heart pumping and everything else, but in God's eyes, he's not really alive yet. And in fact, in the original language, it says he became a person, a speaking spirit. If you go back to, to the ancient root words, a speaking spirit. That means, that means that we were originally created, just like God said, in his image and in his likeness. Why? Because God the Father is a speaking spirit. He spoke and things came to pass. He spoke and things were created. Okay? Now, some of us, because we've been religiously trained, don't like to think that we're in that same league. But this is God's idea, not us. He chose to make us in that image and that likeness. Did not Jesus speak and things happen? Yes. A couple of people realize. Did not Jesus, when he was on the earth, when he spoke, things happened? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, well he, he was God. Yes, but he did not operate as God on the earth. He operated as man filled with the Holy Spirit operating on earth. Okay? Because if he was only 100% God on earth and not 100% man, then he could not have said to the disciples... Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall they do also. If he was only God, you and I can't do the things that God does. But we can do the things that a man filled with the Holy Spirit can do. Those things we can do. Yes or no? Yes. You're going like this, but I don't know that you're really getting this. Okay? All right. So... Pretty much, uh, Adam was not a real person until God breathed in his nostrils. Now, watch this now. The disciples walked, talked, thought, ate, 
But in reality, they'd only existed until they got born again and the Holy Spirit came to live in them. And Jesus breathed into them the Holy Spirit. Would you not agree that before you and I got born again, we were just existing? Now, we were a physical body walking around the earth. We talked. We ate. We could think. We could reason. But in the eyes of God, we're dead. We're dead people walking. When the Spirit of God comes in us, being born again, now we become alive unto God. Now we're people. Okay, now we're, we're, we're what's the word I want to look for? A, a person in God's eyes. Um, a mensch. Does anybody know that yes. particular word? You're a real person. In other words, you can produce. You, you now, your reputation starts at that point. You're, you're who you are and your productivity starts at that point. Okay, that's why, I don't want to get into this. The only things that you and I are going to get rewarded for are the things we did after we got born again. Because how many people, you might have been one of them before they are born, you go, I'm a good person, I did this, I did this, I, I, I have uh, scholarships for these people, and I, I have uh, funds put aside for this one, and I'm a, a philanthropist, and that's wonderful, but none of that means anything in eternity. It's the things that we do in eternity that matter. You catching this? Why? Because that's when you're a real person. When you get born again, you're a real person. You, you start living when you got born again. Okay. All right, so previously they, the disciples, could only observe the kingdom of God through the life of Jesus. At this point, though, once they're born again, now they could fully participate on earth as it is in heaven. Look at the difference between Peter before Pentecost and Peter after, before he betrays Jesus. He has no stability in his life. He's, there's no identification with Jesus. He's got Jesus in front of him, He's very impressed with everything Jesus is doing, but he can only observe, okay? He can't participate. But once he's born again, he can fully participate. And I think out of that reality, um, we see such a stark change in Peter almost overnight. Now, in Acts chapter 3, all right? Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms or to beg uh, from those who entered the temple. And he, they, this guy purposely was situated at that gate, Beautiful, because that's where all the rich people went in, okay? Most ornate, most decorative, okay? So... Verse 3, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter, fixing his eyes on him with John, said, look at us. So he, the crippled man, gave them, Peter and John, his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he, Peter, took him, the crippled man, by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And so would you, after you were crippled all your life. And all of a sudden, now you can walk. Now, watch this now. I hope you get this, because the reality of this is going to change your position in life. The spirit within... In other words, the born-again experience, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you, connects our identity with Jesus. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, that's why we're called Christians, okay? But the Spirit upon connects us to Jesus' ministry. Act like you're surprised so I can take a drink. <coughs> say, say, wow. wow. Say it again, because I didn't have this open. Did you get that? Yes. The spirit within connects us, connects our identity with Jesus. But it's the spirit upon that connects us to his ministry. So in other words, you can be walking around on the earth, born again, you're going to heaven. 
identifying as a Christian, identifying as a child of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're born again, you're going to heaven. But without your awareness of the Holy Spirit ability to come upon you, you cannot connect to Jesus's ministry. You're connecting to his identity, but he didn't want us to just connect to our, his identity. He wanted us to connect with his ministry. We are supposed to be carrying on his ministry. Are you getting this? All right, so the same thing happens at the new birth. <coughs> First Peter chapter one, listen to this, starting in verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, which by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Is it up there? Look at this. <coughs> that can I have one of those? Yeah. That through these you may be what? Partaker. Let me ask you a question. Is a partaker different than a spectator? Yes. Yes. What's the difference between a partaker and a spectator? The partaker just observes, just watching. So, wow. Wonderful. Wow. 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 Oh, all you're doing, Jesus. Oh, we're so we're so, so spectacular. You're doing Jesus. Okay? But a partaker is involved. A partaker takes what Jesus gave us and uses it. You getting this? What do you want to be? You want to be a spectator? I don't want to be a spectator. Spectate, there's no reward for a spectator. When we get to heaven... There's going to be a big, gigantic awards ceremony. It's going to be based on everything you did from the moment you said Jesus came into my life until that second where you took your last breath. Everything, that, everything in between there is what you're, going to be, what, you're, what you're going to be either rewarded for or you're going to miss out on. Okay? So, again, I'm going to ask you, what would you rather be, a spectator or a participant? So then what's stopping you? Well, 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 Pastor, I'm not in the ministry. Oh, no, honey, you're in the ministry. You may not be doing what I'm doing, but you're in the ministry. And honestly, you have way more capability of touching the lost than I do. Just ask God for the opportunities. Ask God. I don't know what to say. Open your mouth, he said, and I'll fill it. God said he'll fill it. If you'll trust him, you'll be surprised. How many of you had a, how many have had this experience where you got like you can, there's no way out of this. You're going to have to talk to this person about Jesus. Okay, the Holy Spirit's not going to let you off. All right, and then you begin and you open your mouth and all of a sudden, as you're talking, you're saying, "I don't know where this is coming from because I don't even know if I knew this before." Amen. How many have had that experience? What do you think is happening? You yielded to the Holy Spirit. Yielded, yielded, yielded. Say that word, please. Yielded. yielded. What does it mean to yield? Lean into. You're leaning into and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to use you. Okay? That's the first step. And then he'll take it from there. But to, well, why does he just do it himself? Because he wants you to have the honor and the privilege of what it's like to minister to somebody Amen. and what it's like to see them come, come alive from the dead. Yes. Amen? Yes. So, here it is. John 14, 12. John 14, 12. You see, they had never seen, the, the disciples had never seen a 100% God, 100% man person before. They'd never seen that. So they didn't know what to make of it. They can only observe from the outside. But now they're learning. Peter and John, that day at the temple, learned what two human beings, without Jesus there present, could do in Jesus' name. Yes or no? They learned, oh, wow, we can do this. 
He said, silver and gold I don't have because, honestly, silver and gold wasn't going to do anything for this guy. If silver and gold could have alleviated his problem, it would have happened already. But he said, such as I have, I give to you. What do we as believers have within us? Who do we have within us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay? And again, John 14, 12. He who believes in me, the works I do shall, shall they do also, and greater works because I go to my Father. What's Jesus saying to them? I'm going away. He went on to say, in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And he's talking about the time when he would not be here physically anymore. So basically, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm going away. If you believe in me, you'll do the same things that you've seen me do. And then he goes right into, watch this now, he goes right into how this is going to happen. Remember? I'm going to read it all the way through now. Watch this. Verse 12, John 14. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Go right to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Does this sound familiar? That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him. Okay? But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be, he dwells with you and will be in you. What's he saying? Truly, truly, if you believe in me, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. How's this going to happen, Jesus? I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you another helper, another one just like me, same species, but in a different form, and he is going to walk you through all this stuff. It's all about the Holy Ghost. It's all about the Holy Ghost. So let me ask you a question. Are you a believer? You sure? Who's living in you? So the works that Jesus did, we can do also. And greater works, greater in number, because he's not going to be here. And especially that now, instead of one Jesus on the earth, there's billions. Okay? So, so then we should be able to do the things that Jesus did, right? How many people are in here tonight right now that you've had some kind of a sickness that you've been dealing with? Whatever, now, years ago, whatever. Who, who just got diagnosed with anything? Come up here. Come up here. Come on, everybody else shrunk back. Who tonight can use healing? Come up. Anybody else? Come on, come on, come on. Healing. Come on, don't be afraid. I'm not going to bite you. Step back a little bit. Does she need her walker? Sheila, do you need your walker? You might not need it on the way back, but do you need it now? Okay. Okay. How many believers do I have in here? Let me see your hands. Okay, and he said, Verily, brother, if you believe on me, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works shall you do. All right, so those of you that you'd say, yes, I'm a believer, and I believe that I can do the works that Jesus did, get up here. Now, don't, don't, get, don't get super spiritual. Come around the front, because you're going to lay hands on these people. Are you up here to pray? All right, step back. Leave, leave her. Come on, line up. Go across here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, I don't want this to be the whole service tonight. Go around the side. Are you here for healing? Are you here for Here, come up here with everybody else. Okay. Come here. Lay hands on her, the pink sweater. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Be in prayer right now. Be in prayer right now. If you can't get to the person, be in prayer right now. But those of you that can get to the person, he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Lay hand. He didn't say, don't have a counseling session. All you need to do is lay your hands on them. Now, command the sickness to go in the name of Jesus because you've got that authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. We praise you, God. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We're laying hands on the sick and we expect recovery in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rob, are you praying for anybody? Come here. Come here, yeah, come here. I want you to lay hands on that gentleman right there. Here, here, right here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. All right, if you're done praying, go back to your seats. All right. Let's go back to our seats. Okay, go back to your seats. Now, let me ask you a question. Everybody get back to your seats. Let me ask you a question. How difficult was that? Jesus didn't say, well, when you're spiritually ready, then you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Jesus didn't say, well, maybe if, if you prayed for like six hours in tongues, then, you know, you're... And then, like, you, like you're charging a battery. Jesus did not say that. The only instruction and the most simple instruction he gave to us was this. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Watch this now. They shall recover. People say, well, well, how come, you know, it doesn't happen instantaneously? Jesus said, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So every one of you that received prayer, not that you prayed for somebody, that you received prayer, stand up right where you are right now. Just stand up at your seat. You came up and received prayer. John? Yeah. Anybody else over here? You came up and you received prayer. Okay. Okay, good. So from this point forward, are you going to keep asking God to heal you? What are you going to do? You're going to thank him. Why? Because we believe what he said and the word is true. Yes or no? So here's what you begin to say from this point forward. It's 7.50 on Wednesday night. Here's what you're going to say with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive my healing. At 7.50 on Wednesday night, I declare with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that your word is true. And you said, they, the church, will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm the church. The church laid hands on me. I am now in the process of recovery. In the name of Jesus, I receive my healing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.
How hard was that? How hard was that? If you've done this in the past, I'm asking you to please, for your sake, stop doing this as of this moment. Stop saying, I know someday God's going to heal me. No, that's not scriptural. That's as unscriptural as you saying, I know someday God's going to save me. Because you got saved based on an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Are you listening to me? Okay. You receive your healing the same way. Because the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2.24 that Jesus himself took upon himself all of our griefs, our pains, our sorrows, our, our, our um, shame, everything, physical pains, physical disease, emotional stuff, everything that's contrary to God's plan for mankind, Jesus took upon himself on the cross, and then it goes on to say, and by his wounds, stripes, wounds, we were healed. You catching this now? We buried plenty of people because they're waiting. Someday God's going to heal me. No, 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 no. You receive your healing because it was already purchased for you. Are you catching this? Are you catching this? Did you hear what I'm saying? Are you catching it? And are you letting your spirit grab this? Are you allowing your soul to put away all doubt, unbelief, and say, no, no, soul, you're going to latch on to this truth. Yeah, but pastor, I still have symptoms. And by his stripes, we were healed. Okay, now, this isn't a healing teaching, but watch this now. The Holy Ghost in you allowed you to do the same things that Jesus would have done if he was here in person. That does not just apply to Wednesday nights, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Because the same Holy Ghost lives in you 24-7, 365 days. In fact, he's in you until we get to heaven. Are you listening? Now, Take what you have and be like Peter and John. Such as I have, I give to you. Right now, there is no lack of people that you and I can pray for, for healing. The devil overplayed his hand. There's None of us are here tonight that don't know somebody who's dealing with some type of sickness in the hospital, shoving stuff up their nose every five minutes to see if they test positive, Okay. Everybody, every one of us has people in our life right now, okay? There's no lack of individuals for you to operate like Jesus operated. And even if it's not a physical sickness, there are so many people who are emotionally damaged right now from all of the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the concern, okay? Kim. Just sneak in there and just, in Jesus' name. In Je- we won't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. We got an insider. <laughs> just in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In, that, in Jesus' name. Boom. In Jesus' name. He didn't even really tell us to pray. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you remember what happened, Peter? Says that that just his shadow falling on individuals, they would get healed. Okay? Because when you come in contact with the anointing, that's how it is. Okay? But let's start start up in our game, I guess you could put it that way. Stop just being a spectator, please. God's counting on us. We've got an amazing harvest to reach here in Ocean County, Monmouth County, the whole Jersey Shore. We're not the only church, but we're the only church that we're responsible for. God is very serious about regions, and he gives people the opportunity to be responsible for a region. 
and I believed it for all, all these days that I've been pastoring and even before that, that we are responsible for this region. There's other churches. They have responsibilities too. Uh, but they're not my responsibility. This is my responsibility. And I want to see us. I want to see us operating like, like it would make Jesus stand up in heaven and go, yeah. yeah. They got it. They got it. They got it. Do not, listen to me, listen to me. I'm going to close after this. I promise, okay? Listen to me. No, I, I, I'm serious. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us about other people. He's constantly putting people on our hearts, but are we paying attention? He's constantly speaking to us in our spirit about who to pray for, who to go visit, who to go pray in person, who to, he's constantly, who to intercede for. Please, in this day that we live in right now, we cannot afford to be cluttered in our minds. We've got to be single-minded. We've got to be focused. We've got to eliminate as many distractions as possible so that we can hear what orders Jesus is giving in heaven the Holy Ghost is bringing to the earth to distribute to the church. We're not going to be able to stand before the Lord when we get to heaven and, and, and he's going to say, but I told you to go to such and such. I told you to, to hook up. I told you to go lay hands on this. I told you. And we're not going to be able to say, I, we didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. He's going to go, oh, no. you. Oh, no. I was speaking to you. If you didn't hear me, it's because your mind was too cluttered. You had your eyes on other things. Look, listen, look at, look at, look at, please look at me, look at me, look at me. The days of us using our faith to get things for ourselves is over. Stop preoccupying yourself with your own little life, your own little kingdom, your own little bank account, your own little whatever I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Stop it. We're on the edge of eternity. Jesus is coming soon. But even more importantly, before Jesus comes physically, the church is out of here. You don't want to miss that, okay? Be prepared. Live your life as if Jesus, at least we got a letter that said Jesus is coming back tomorrow at noon. Let me ask you a question. If he told us that, would we live differently tonight? Would any of us sleep? Would any of us be rushing out after this tonight to go grab a slice of pizza? No, we'd be grabbing every person that we see and telling them. Let's live with that kind of urgency. Please, please, for the sake of the lost. Amen? Yes. You're going to come back next Wednesday? Yes. Do you think anybody else needs to hear this? Yes. Will you please, please, please grab as many people as you can and bring them here next Wednesday night? Now, this weekend, we got good message coming up, too. Okay, we're talking about this is Foundations Part 6, I believe it is. Extremely important, a very extremely important component of our Christian lives we're going to be talking about this weekend. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to ask you if anybody needs prayer because you all came up here and got prayed for. However, if there's anybody here tonight that has never prayed a very simple prayer and declared their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's another thing that the Holy Spirit is constantly doing. He's constantly inviting. He's constantly inviting. He's constantly inviting. And he may be tugging on somebody's heart right now. Please do not reject that invitation. If you're here tonight and you'd be honest with yourself and say, I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I don't know that I've ever declared my faith in him publicly. Please, please take care of that before you leave here tonight. Come up here. We'll pray with you, pray for you. If you need prayer for anything else that wasn't addressed here tonight, and then you go home and sleep like a baby tonight. Amen? God bless you. Thank you so much for being so attentive.